Hi, I'm Colleen Roberts, founder of <clears throat> Answers That Heal, with episode six of my series on race and, and the fiction narrative. The story I'm using, I've begun uh, writing a copy on this blog, so if you keep reading, you'll get it all. Anyway, I want to use it because it, it was especially designed to speak on race relations. One of the characters is a young man who was killed by police, which sparks a protest. The story, I use current news about young black men being killed by police and created the main character, and with that created the main character, Toby Maxwell. I, always, I was also thinking about the myth, myth, the myth of colorblindness. I tied the two together and made it about a black woman's awakening to her own blackness, which includes the bunking of the myth of colorblindness. Colorblindness is not a compliment to black people or any non-white race. It still says you don't see my uniqueness as if my skin color is a shame. I titled it as a transformation because Toby changes deep inside. She believed in colorblindness for most of her life. Her sister, however, is a radical and believes there are no good white folks. She doesn't like Toby's boyfriend, Jason, and is ready to fight after her best friend is killed. She holds the white police responsible for her best friend's death. The story shows the nuances of race and how we are all different, even with the same skin. Nothing is cut and dry or black and white. There is a whole lot of gray area and as far as I'm concerned, unconditional acceptance and love of a person is the only path forward to healing. That sounds like a simplistic answer, but it's the only one I strongly believe will work. We have to begin with relationship. God created relationship, something he knows everything about. If we follow his way of love, it will be just the beginning of a breakthrough. I'm going to read just a section of the transformation of a black woman, just to get you started. I don't know whether it was a warmer weather than usual. Warmer than usual weather in April or the three glasses of champagne I drank at dinner. But I let loose a shout into the night air that everyone in the city of Brockton probably heard. I think it was with the champagne and marriage proposal. I lifted my arms. Behave yourself, Miss Maxwell, or I'll have to put this top down, my fiance Jason said with a laugh. Why can't I shout? I'm getting married. I didn't care that it was after midnight and we were in the middle of the city, speeding along above limit, above the limit. My heart was sailing faster than the car. He reached over and pulled at my arm. Come on, Toby. I obliged only because I wanted to move closer to him. I peeled one of his hands from the steering wheel to kiss each finger. His creamy white skin contrasted with my melted brown sugar skin. It was startling to the outside world, but we made a point not to notice. In our universe, race didn't define us. It was secondary for the person we were on the inside. It was like Martin Luther King said about not being judged by the color of our skin. 
but by the content of our character. Not many in our circle seem to believe that, especially my family, even though they idolize King and the civil rights movement. My parents dug up the red soil and transplanted it in, in quote, quote, promised land, end quote, the North. They wore their of whites like a badge. My younger sister, Sean, was born here. She might as well have been raised in the South. She was so vocally anti-white and proudly pro-Black. Facing them with this news turned my stomach. I let out a long sigh. Relax, honey, Jason said. Your folks will be in bed by the time I get you home. Screaming red sirens broke the night silence. Jason pulled over to let you two ambulances speed by. What the hell is going now, he said. I had a sudden intuition that it had to do with my family. When we pulled up and saw the lights were still on in our colonial, I gasped. Mama and Daddy were always in bed by nine. I ran inside. My parents were huddled in one corner of our itchy brown, white, and tan plaid couch. Daddy holding Mama's tiny body as it shook underneath his arm. He looked up with his sad puppy dog eyes that drooped even when he smiled. Thank God you're home, Toby. I dropped beside him. What happened? Sean called us, Mama replied. There was a shooting. Is she okay? She's okay, Daddy said. It's Jojo. He got hurt bad. I sucked in my breath. Jojo was Sean's best friend since kindergarten and had also become a close family friend. What mess had he and Sean gotten themselves into? Jojo was never as militant as Sean. He was sort of a buffer when she got too crazy. Maybe this was one of those times. Those ambulances, I said to Jason. You want to go to the hospital? Jason asked. Yeah, let's go. Sean may, Sean, maybe Sean will be there. Come on, Daddy said, rising. I'll make us some warm milk tea so we can go back to bed. Mama obeyed quietly. I watched them walk out of the room and then looked at Jason. He was following them with his eyes, too. I couldn't read his expression. It was like a still life painting, void of emotion. Along the floor opened and in came my little sister, who at 17 was not so little anymore. Her dark chocolate hair was twisted into thick dreadlocks, hanging from her head like ropes. Her round gold wireframe glasses made her appear more intellectual than she probably wanted to look. The baggy pants, black t-shirt, and black combat boots gave her the militant look she craved. Her honey-colored face stood frozen in shock. John, I said, running to her. I was surprised when she yielded to my arms. Is Jojo all right? I don't know. We sat down on the couch. What happened? She, she flopped backwards into a slouch. A cop shot him, she replied. He didn't do anything, I swear. They've been waiting for a chance to get us. But why did it have to be Jojo? He never hurt anybody. With that, she leaned forward and bawled like a baby. I put my arm around her back, not knowing what to say, or if there was anything to say. Was it an accident? I found it hard to believe it was on purpose. Sweetie, I said, Jason and I are going to the hospital. You want to come with us? She lifted her face. With tears and snot running down like water, she shouted her answer. Not with him. I've got to see Jojo, but not with him. 
Sean, come on, this is not the time for that. It's always a time for the truth, sister. Toby, a white cop shot Jojo. Can't you get it through your black head? He doesn't belong with us. Come on. I looked at Jason. You don't need to ask him. Go on, just call me. <sighs> she slammed the door behind her. Jason, why didn't you say anything? He stood and shoved his hands in his pocket. Toby, what can I say to her? She hates me just because I'm white. He ran his fingers through his dark, thick, curly hair. It is insane to think Jojo of all people would get shot on purpose. Go to sleep now, honey. I'll buzz you in the morning, he said, and kiss my forehead as it was. Were a frantic child, he had to calm down. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, whatever happened tonight, it wouldn't change anything between Jason and me. We'd still be together. Jojo would recover, and my life could, could go on without a ripple. I lay down near the phone, waiting. Sean's broken voice crashed my sleep with two words. He's dead. I didn't hear much else, and after listening to her sob for several minutes, I dropped the phone back into its receiver. Night air had chilled, and I was still in my sleeveless party dress. I crawled under the covers, shook until warmth coated my skin, then let her fall. Jojo was dead. Someone I knew and touched and talked to was silent forever. The why did not concern me now what it was, and I would never see him again. He left a hole no one else could possibly fill, especially for Sean. I shuddered to think of the explosive anger she was feeling now and how she would express it. I couldn't sleep anymore, and I didn't want to wake my folks with this. They were going to hear soon enough. Then they would throw the blame around and rehash all the stories about the South and how they were treated by the white man. Sean and I had grown up on these stories. We were fed them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Sean turned angry, and she was determined never to trust any white person. I got pissed off too, but, the, but took the opposite road to try making race. The race thing better instead of worse. Well, it wasn't better in this house let alone the world. I wanted to avoid my parents for the moment, so I slipped into pajamas and hid in my room to await Jason's call. He devoured the news every so I saw him bother to read the paper. I wanted him to make sense of this broken picture with his clear, logical thinking so I could rest. A man shooting another man color was too down south in the backwoods for me. Jason spoke in monotones as if he was explaining a computer program to a co-worker. There was a robbery downtown, and for some reason, Jojo came running out of the store when the police got there. On his arm, it was just a stereotype. Yes, exactly what I thought. Still, Sean believed the shot was on purpose. He was shot on purpose. With all the anger she held onto, she was bound to see what probably wasn't there. I wanted to keep this picture, which fit neatly into my thinking. I didn't like having things all jumbled up after I'd put it together. You really think so? I asked. I know so, he replied. Look, I'm sorry your friend got killed, but Sean can't make it a racial thing when it isn't. He was right. He was always right. But what if it was a slim chance that Sean was right? Who should I believe? I'll pick you up for breakfast. This night has been insane. Uh, no, I'm not hungry, honey. Toby, you have to eat sometime, and you really need to get out of your house for a while. I know, but I'm still tired. Call me. 
Sai was long and impatient, like he had something more to say, but changed his mind. What was it about his reasoning that left me feeling as empty and horrible as I had before? Maybe it was the fact that this time we weren't discussing someone else's tragedy and sharing opinions on circumstances that were far from us. This thing was right up in our faces. My eyes flew open every time I tried to close them, so I decided to get up and shower. It was after nine by then. That's all I'm going to eat at that. And as you can see, we can see Bibi's frame of mind at the very beginning. She doesn't like to believe that it's true that a policeman shot her friend on accident. And that's what a lot of people do. We as Black people hear that a person's gotten shot and we assume, and most times it is, it's something that happened on purpose, that it wasn't an accident, that it wasn't uh, some type of mistake, but it was real. And we know the instances of Trayvon Martin, of the little boy that was playing with his, his gun toy gun getting shot, and, and many others, and others still to this day. Well, we can see, because there is a history behind policemen shooting black young men for no apparent reason, or for reasons that were in their own minds. So I don't know. I mean, yes, I do know, but I don't know what you think. I hope you'll, when you listen to this, that you'll leave me a comment and tell me what you think about this, uh, about this story so far. And more of it is in the blog so you can read it. And what you think. And what do you think about colorblindness? All right, that's it for this time. I will see you next time.